Greg, Maya, and Betty are not experts, nor do they claim to be. They're just a bunch of nerds who enjoy talking about movies, shows, and current events. So sit back, grab a coffee, relax, and enjoy a brand new episode of All Queued Up. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of All Queued Up. Uh, the review podcast tied to streaming services like Netflix, Amazon Prime, HBO Max, Disney Plus, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I'm your host, Greg Dietz, and with me always is Maya Don Fisher and Betty Badger. How are you two doing today? I'm doing well, good. Uh, I got <laughs> presents to wrap today. got this to do, and we got a mom-daughter collaboration that we're going to be doing for Christmas gifts that I cannot speak about. So that's going to be fun. How are you, Maya? Um, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. I'm just, uh, it's cold. I hate winter. As a witch's titty in a brass bra, it is cold. Yeah. Very, very cold. It's not been out of the 20s and days, I don't feel. Yeah. I think, well, I think Sunday it was, it was in the 50s on Sunday, but I think Monday and Tuesday and today it's all been in the 20s and it's been so cold. Yeah, I, and I, you know, usually I don't mind cold weather. Not like you know, I don't get out in it. But man, this place, it, we're still getting used to how uh, the heat, you know, how well it. It's not insulated well. It doesn't feel like like in uh-huh. this room. In this room, there's a big window right there, and it's a lot of cold air coming in that window. <laughs> You might have to do the Appalachian trash of throwing a blanket on that window. Because <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, you know how you can get that plastic and seal up around windows to help. Uh, they sell those kits at like Walmart. Yeah. And things like that. You just take a hairdryer to it and it adheres to the to the wall. Uh, might do that to help keep some of that cold air from penetrating. That's but, a good yeah. idea. But in a pinch, that blanket's there. <laughs> uh, in a pinch, though, I need, I'd need i rather cover up with that extra blanket. <laughs> oh, honey, we got so many blankets. <laughs> I'm going to send you a few. <laughs> well, Greg, how are you doing today? Is the weather nice? Uh, actually, yeah, it's supposed to be 65 today, max. Uh, it's nice. Got that Cali weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's 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 funny because when it hits like 40 everyone in my house is fucking freezing uh, <laughs> which is hilarious because you guys are like well that's nothing and i always have to tell people in context it's it is something to us so we don't hit that weather fucking ever like 40 is extreme for us <laughs> so, oh no i get it it's like my sister she lived in myrtle beach for so long that when she came back here the cold was a huge adjustment it took her years it oh, took her years. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know if she's still fully acclimated at this point. <laughs> um, no, I was going to say that uh, uh, for our audience, if if you want us to, we'll do it. But um, I had suggested that we review something that actually comes out on the 13th. Uh, granted, it's only 15 minutes long, um, but it's nope. a... Uh... <laughs> no, no, I'm not doing it. Oh, two. I don't even... Uh, I don't have cable, so... Yeah, I'm sure it'll be online. <laughs> sure it'll be on the Lifetime channel. I the don't, channel. Don't care. 
it's fucking hilarious. It's basically they made a a, a they call it a mini movie, but it's really only 15 minutes long. But it's um this lifetime style uh film, but it's it's uh Mario Lopez playing Colonel Sanders. <laughs> it's fucking stupid as hell. And I, I, I absolutely love that it's a thing. Yeah, I absolutely recommend everyone watch it, but I find no need for us to review it. <laughs> <laughs> Greg's so, gonna jerk it to chicken seduction. Oh, it's so funny! It's so fucking funny. I was, I was like, "There's no way they actually made this," and and sure enough, they like. I thought it was just a commercial to make it look like that, and then I was like, "Wait, is this an actual thing?" And I had to look it up. I was like, "They fucking actually made a 15 minute goddamn." Yes, they did. Oh, so and, funny. You know, I just want to know: Is he hanging out with his friend, uh, Cunnilingus? I fucking hope so. Colonel Langus. <laughs> it's still one of my that favorite. That's so, still one of the best Saturday Live Absolutely. <laughs> so back in the day, uh, when I worked at Walmart back in like 2008, 2009, um, 2006 as well, seven, whatever. Anyway, when I worked at Walmart, um, they they released DVDs um, of like the best of, 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 of a specific castmate. And to this day, as far as I know, I don't think they've done it with anybody else, maybe with Alec Baldwin. But um, they they did a they did one with uh, uh, Christopher Walken. Jesus, oh, I forgot his name for a whole second there. Um, his DVD was by far the funniest out of any of them that I had seen. More oh yeah, he only did two hosting jumps, and he had some of the best bits. Oh God, I love Christopher Walken. So funny, but yeah. Um, well, guys, uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, Mandalorian episode six. Yep. Which episode it was. Um, yes. I could, can't remember the chapter name, but uh, chapter number. The, the chapter 14, the 14. tragedy. Yeah, tragedy. Um, we're going to be reviewing that, and then we're going to talk about the uh, the newest uh, movies that made us holiday edition, which is about uh, Elf and uh, Nightmare for Christmas. But uh, why don't we go ahead and get into uh, Mandalorian? Oh uh, man, such a fun episode! And Greg, you finally have to give a certain character look, his due. You can go back and listen to the episode we did, uh, where I don't remember what which chapter number it is, but episode three or four. Uh, no, it was definitely five. <laughs> it's episode five <laughs> of the season. Um, where Mando goes to to Tatooine, he he meets up with some guy, some other bounty hunter who's supposed to take out, um like a sniper. I don't remember the exact details of the episode. I just remember he, that. he, he was damaged. He needed uh, some repairs done, needed some fuel and he was low on funds. So he lands on Tatooine looking for some work for some funds for some repairs and fuel. That's right. And that's when he came across the guy that was trying to get into the guild and was trying to track down Fennec Shand. Yes. And he's like, I can't handle this job on my own. He said, I'll split the bounty with you if you help me. Yeah, he's like, and, I'll give you the whole bounty. You just help me, and I'll get into the guild. You can have the money. And he's like, deal. Um, the 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 thing from that episode that you can go back and listen to us discuss is at the very end, when uh, Finnick is on the ground, she's dying. Um, you hear what sounds like uh, um, what a what a cowboy's wear spurs. spurs. You can hear spurs kind of ch- like clinking, and then you see someone shadow. And the big discussion on the internet at the time was that was Boba Fett. 
And I said, no, that's fucking stupid. I hate that that would be Boba Fett. Um, he doesn't deserve to come back. And if you've heard me talk about Boba Fett, um, I don't give two fucks about the Legends line. I don't give a fuck about the extended universe. Like, I'm glad those books were great for everybody, but Boba Fett has been nothing to me other than a, a complete fuck up. Um, I thought the character was designed to just look badass and uh, seem badass by his quote unquote reputation. Um, but uh, he didn't do anything. He got killed by a blind guy. So when that <laughs> came up, when that episode came up, that was my biggest thing. Um, but, I I just have to say, I love how you didn't just say he got killed. He got killed by a blind guy. <laughs> I have to be specific. <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, Han Solo was very much blind at the time. Um, so that being said, I have said this season when it was revealed in the first episode that it was Boba Fett that was on Tatooine. I would love to see Boba Fett live up to the name that everybody had put him in back in the like seventies into the eighties and so on and so forth. I always thought that the fandom was over the top and ridiculous when it came to Boba Fett, because again, you don't see him do anything like substantial. No. Um, well, thanks to the show that has changed. That has. Yeah. <clears throat> we actually got to see him do something and live up to, Okay you can see how he got this reputation of being a feared bounty hunter. Um, but just in combat alone, holy shit, that was awesome watching him actually in combat, taking on a full squadron, you know, him and the Mandalorian, Din Djarin and Fennec Shan taking on two squads of stormtroopers. Pretty awesome. Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, you know, after watching the episode, I was like, this looks, like, strikingly familiar. Like, I've seen this style of, of like, shot before. And and then it was like, oh, this is Robert Rodriguez. I was like, oh, my God, it looks like Desperado. <laughs> I love Robert Rodriguez. So, yeah. I, he's, he's one of my favorite directors. And, you know, I always, like, especially in uh, 95 when I first saw Desperado, I was like, this movie's amazing. And then I found out, oh, it's essentially a remake, but it's a sequel of El Mariachi. Right. So I wanted to track that down, and I tracked it down. I was like, you could see how raw it was, but the potential for you know uh, greatness there. And then, of course, you know he did From Dust Till Dawn with Tarantino, and I was like, yeah, this guy, I love his, I love his style of directing, and I love the fact that he doesn't just do like spaghetti western slash grindhouse style movies. He also does kids movies too. I love. I and he does. And he does everything himself. Yeah. It's just he's he's super talented. And I, I you know and he's a down to earth dude. I, I I really love Robert Rodriguez. So when I saw he directed this, I was just like, yes, this is awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was definitely a surprise, uh, a welcome surprise, because, uh, um, yeah, it was it was back in the day. It was it was uh, I think the first movie I ever saw of his was From Dust Till Dawn, um, and then somebody who I like talked to about that, they were like, "Have you seen um, El Mariachi or Desperado?" And I was like, "No," and they were like, "You have to see those two. and fucking loved them. And then, um, and then the Grindhouse movies that 
that he did with Tarantino, the uh, uh, Planet Terror, and well, I guess he didn't he didn't really have anything to do with uh, Tarantino's movie in that, but Planet Terror is fantastic. That's like right the fuck up my alley. I love. I'm sure a lot of you have heard me say this before, but I love B movies. I love like you want to sit down and you want to watch like The Room with me. I'm a hundred percent in. Um, and if you know what The Room is, we can be friends. Uh, hmm. But uh, um, the fact that that basically that's that's what Grindhouse was. I was like, fucking Rodriguez can do whatever the fuck he wants, and then arguably Spy Kids is that too. Spy Kids is very, um, there's a style, there's a name for the style of filmmaking that he does with those, where it's all like, it's very little, very, very little CGI, and the CGI that is used is is crude at best, but I can't remember what the fuck it's called, it's driving me nuts, I've been thinking about it for days now, and I should just look it up, but I know it's Yeah, like, really, Google things. <laughs> uh, anyway, point is, is yeah, it was his... The, the 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 action moments in this episode very much reminded me of Desperado, 100%. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was trying to think of anything, like, the, the spoiler, obviously, everybody. This, uh, this episode was very much the end of, of, like, a, cha- uh, like, the, the second part of a trilogy. Uh, where the heroes kind of have, or the hero in this case, um, has an insurmountable obstacle to overcome. Uh, if you watched the episode, great. If you didn't, just so you know, again, spoiler alert. Um, not only does Baby Yoda get, or sorry, Grogu, get um, taken by, uh, I guess you could still call him the Empire at this point. I uh, think so. Because I like Remnant of Empire, but I don't know. Um, also, the uh, the Razor Crest gets destroyed, and that that made me sadder than Grogu getting taken away. <laughs> you think that made you sad? Fanboys have been raging that people that pre-ordered uh, the Hasbro's Haslabs Razor Crest, the three and three quarter inch uh, Razor Crest that costs like three hundred fifty bucks. It just funded like the couple of days before this episode aired, and now people are like, "I want to cancel because the ship got destroyed." What like, a, really? What the fuck? That's a dumb. That's a dumb fucking thing to you know want to do. It's like, oh, I've got this awesome toy, but this character died. Now this toy is useless to me. That's what? Really Come so- on. Like, I, I out of all the stuff that I have, I couldn't imagine doing that. Like, I'm looking at my toys right now, and I'm just like. I don't get like I have a fucking statue of the songbird from Bioshock Infinite. The songbird, for the most part, is an enemy through the whole game, and then gets destroyed at the end. I, I I could what? I'm just kind of like you know, none of it's real. So why does it matter if it got destroyed in a fictional show to begin with? You're playing with something that does not exist. Mm Hmm. But also, yeah, it's, have that, so I don't understand the. Their, yeah, their, I mean, wouldn't that kind of make it then a collector's item? I mean, that's what I would think. This ship no longer exists in the show, which we don't know for sure. They might rebuild it, you know, right. to look to a T like that ship, just better. I don't know. We don't know. But my God, 
use your fucking common sense. Oh, also, Greg, he calls his style mariachi style. Oh, that's interesting. I was okay. That's that's weird. I there because I was calling there. There's um, that's funny because there's a, there's a different name that other filmmakers use for that style of filmmaking. Because he's not the only one that does that. He's like I almost want to call it Gonzo, but it's not. It's not Gonzo. It's I'll figure it out later. But he can call it whatever he wants. It's like that low budget. Uh, everything's done like in house sort of filmmaking is. There's a name for it. <clears throat> okay. Well, yeah, um, I guess when it comes to this episode, I was just like, holy shit, that's Boba Fett. You know, <laughs> I mean, uh, a lot of shit went down this episode, man. I mean, it wasn't as like lore heavy as the as, as last week's. Like it was just, it was just action packed and like, Oh, we know Boba Fett's back. Ah, oh, shit, the Rage Crest's gone. Ah, oh, shit, they got fucking Grogu. <laughs> yeah, but I think Grogu can hold his own. I'm not worried about You're him, really. <laughs> that was hilarious, by the way. <laughs> Watch him just toss around those stormtroopers. Yeah. No, little shit's powerful, you know? I mean, he does have such a high metachlorian base, or whatever in the fuck they call it, M count. Yeah, yeah. You know, but again, why are they trying... I'm assuming they're trying to make a clone out of him. No. So, okay. Uh, I have a theory as to what they want him for, and I'll, I'll get to it in a second, but I do have to back it up with something else just to kind of get it there. Um, so a friend of mine on Facebook, she asked, uh, I think I sent it to you guys, but I'm going to read it. I'm going to basically relay it to the audience here. Um, she asked, she asked out loud, like basically where, when and when and who and where did did Palpatine fuck right? Yeah, she, we discussed this. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say yeah because I think I showed it to you guys. Um, but um, what I sent to her was like I can tell you, but it's you know you got to kind of go with me here. And she was like, sure, go ahead. And I said, uh, sometime after Revenge of the Sith, Old Shivi realized uh, he wasn't gonna live forever because he's no Plagueis the Wise. He wanted a clone. However, the first clone was a failure of sorts, looked nothing like Palpatine, and had an extremely low midichlorian count. However, he grew up, escaped Exegol, married a woman, had Rey. Upon discovering the clone had a kid, Sheev sent his troops to get her, hoping her high count would help him create a better clone. Uh, obviously, this failed, as she was sold to that weird alien on Jakku. Why Jakku? Because in the novels about Leia, called Aftermath, Jakku was the final battle for the Empire, and they lost hard. Uh, no one would ever look for her there. Now, Palpy did uh, did make a more successful clone to an extent. Actually, technically, too. I kind of fucked that up a little bit. Because the, 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 the version that we see of him in Rise of Skywalker is a clone. Um, it was the better clone, but it's, like, deteriorating real fast, which is why he's connected to that thing. Um, but the other clone was Snoke. And we saw that fucking, you know, not work out great for him. Uh, so the thing I said to her was like, how does this tie into Mandalorian? Well, this leads into my theory as to why, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Moff, Tar uh, Moff Gideon is trying to get Grogu so bad. It's in the third episode, we hear that that guy say M count. We know that his on his shoulder he has the symbol of the clone army, 
or the clone facility. Uh, so my theory is that they're trying to get Grogu's M-Count to give to Palpatine. Yeah, basically use his blood DNA to splice into a a human clone and hopes to recreate Palpatine. Uh, And that's most likely what it is. You know, we assumed early on, a lot of people did, uh, myself included, that they wanted to clone him. Uh, But not so much... It turns out not so much cloning as to just use his DNA in cloning. Yeah. It didn't go ahead. Will it work is the question because it seems like every time that, you know, you try to use someone with this high M count, the clone ends up fairly defective. So it doesn't, it, we know it doesn't succeed because, um, uh, uh, Skywalker, uh, Rise of Skywalker exists. Like we know that because of that movie, it, they don't get they don't get Grogu. Um, well, don't we don't we, we can't really assume that. I suppose so, but we know that it's not successful in the regards of, um, because in 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 Rise of Skywalker, we only know about three clones total of Palpatine, the one that looks like Palpatine but can like is connected to that machine Snoke and Ray's father. Those are the only ones that we know about. And by the way, the reason that we know certain information about that is because of the novelization of Rise of Skywalker. I was going to say, so did Ray's father being a clone of Palpatine, was that in the novelization? Yes. Yes. Okay. Cause I've not read that. Um, uh, to be fair, I did. I haven't read it myself. I had to look it up, but, uh, somebody was talking about on on when I googled it, it was like in the novelization it says this and this and this and I was like oh shit okay like that makes sense um, which is what led me to this theory that they're just trying to get Grogu for his M count especially since episode three and the guy had said that um, Doctor something or other Pershing Pershing thank you uh, I mean if I'm wrong I'm wrong but this it's the only thing that really makes sense. Um, but uh, I was gonna say the other thing that I think is important to keep in mind with this episode is that, uh, it's like you said, Betty, like what, even if they were to get to, to extract the, the midichlorians from Grogu, like, would it matter? Would be, would they be able to make a Palpatine clone based off of that M count? And that's a very good question. Cause I don't think that Palpatine has been successful in that. Yeah, I get the feeling that they don't really understand what metachlorian, is that what it is? Yeah, metachlorian. I don't think they really understand what it is or how it works. Otherwise, they would have been able to successfully do this by now. Right. I think they're still trying to figure it out, and they're going about it, you know, excuse my goblin's law at the moment in a Nazi style manner, you know, they're, they're not actually, you know, trying to do small tests to, to get up to a knowledgeable point. They're just rushing right in, you know, give them the shots, you know, let's see what happens. To be fair, to be fair, I was like, to be fair, um, the, the empire is literally space Nazis. Like they are designed to look and, and be Nazi ish. So you saying that is not that far removed from what they actually are okay that's good um, yeah they're 
like when people sit there and say that they're not space Nazis and I'm just like, they're literally called stormtroopers. The fuck. Yeah. Else yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. It's and and that's, you know, that's something I can't really say yes or no to. Like, I can't just be like, Oh yeah, it's, it's this way because I don't know. I don't, at the end of the day, I'm not the one writing it. I can only speculate, but based off of, you know, just circumstantial evidence from, the website and whatnot and and from what i read like it's it's what makes sense in regards to what the the empire or the the remnant of the empire's goal is because again this takes place five years after um five or six years after uh, uh jedi not last jedi obviously but return of the jedi so it's i don't know i'm, I'm excited i'm excited to see like again where where we end up at the end of this whole thing, because as a huge star Wars fan, like it's absolutely fascinating that they're telling this, this story in the way that they are. Um, I think star Wars works best when you don't, um, how do I put this right? I think star Wars works best when you do not try to tell a larger story than need be mm-hmm. when you have it centralized on one character Mando in this case, and you're telling the story around him. That's fun as shit. Like all this stuff that I'm talking about right now doesn't ultimately matter because the story isn't about that. It's about Mando. It's about Din Djarin, And I fucking love that. Personally. I did like the fact that, at the end of the episode, he and Boba Fett and Fennec Shand left and they went back to Navarro and he met up with Cara Dune. We saw that that, uh, that emblem that that new Republic officer left her. It's essentially saying that, yeah, she's part of the new Republic again. She's like a marshal for them. Um, but we see that he's like, Hey, I need to get this guy out of prison. So we're going to get Bill Burr's character back probably in the next episode. Migs Mayfield. Very excited about. Which, yeah, I'm looking forward to. So it looks to me like it's going to be Mando, Boba Fett, Fennec Shand, and probably Migs Mayfield. Maybe Cara Dune, but probably not. Tracking down, tracking down Gideon's cruiser and trying to uh, rescue uh, Grogu. And them taking on a shitload of dark troopers. What about what about uh, them getting uh, him going and getting uh, Ahsoka's help? That would be awesome, and Bo-Katan too. Yeah, that okay. would be fantastic. Just this. Uh, is it safe to assume that after um, Grogu did his little uh, Jedi thingy, that she probably heard it as well? So if there's a disturbance in the force, so to speak, she also knows about it. Yes, I think also we might just get another Jedi because he did that because Grogu did that. I think so too. So who and will that Jedi be? Ezra. Oh, would it be Ezra? That's who I would think it would be. I'm kind of hoping like a different Jedi that we've never heard of before that they just are like, yeah, he survived. <laughs> I'm kind I mean, of, that's, that's case, but. that would be cool. But what I'm thinking where they're going with this 
is okay. Boba Fett, Din John, Phoenix Shand, Mayfield. They find the new. They find the um, Imperial cruiser that Moff Gideon's on. They move into assault, and I think I think I think at the same time, Ahsoka has sensed the disturbance from Grogu. So maybe she enlists the aid of Bo-Katan and the Night Owls, and those four come in. So we've got two groups of four, maybe a third party, you know, another Jedi also senses Grogu and he comes in. Maybe it's Ezra. Maybe it's not. But whoever it is, wouldn't it be awesome to see at the very end, you see a Star Destroyer show up and you see Grand Admiral Thrawn on the bridge? Oh, it would be dope. There's a lot of things that they could do that they've set up. Oh, yeah. They've set up so much shit that a lot of it ties directly into all of Dave Filoni's shit. (laughs) Tracks me up. Because that's the thing. And, And a lot of Star Wars fans have to just kind of go with it, but Dave Filoni is a massive, massive fan of the prequels. And a lot of what he does is directly associated to the prequels. So, um, like, if you like this show, you're kind of just going to have to go with the flow on it being about uh, being being tied to midichlorian count, shit like that. Just be happy that it's not what George Lucas originally wanted. Because, <laughs> good lord, that's bad. I don't know if I've and, that, but and it's, it's Favreau's show, not Filoni's. I mean, Filoni does work closely with Favreau, though, so I understand that. Um, but well, you're right. But I, I also to point out that like Favreau's there to tell a story that is cohesive and solid to one character. Like, if here's my thing: if Filoni was in charge completely as a showrunner, it wouldn't be what we got right now. And that's because of Favreau, but the the lore and the and and like a lot of where they're picking up stuff from is a hundred percent Filoni. Um, I don't I I personally don't think that that Favreau is as in touch with Star Wars lore as Filoni is. I just don't no, know. I agree. Uh, the the I point I'm getting at. The point I'm getting at, though, is that a lot of Star Wars fans, especially older Star Wars fans, tend to hate the prequels. Um, I get it; they're not the they're not perfect movies by any stretch of the imagination. But like, if you like Mandalorian, it's because it's a good, it's a well told story, not because the fucking lore is all weird or whatever. That's the point I'm getting at. I don't personally feel like man like Mandalorian is a bad thing. I get, you know, focusing on that is a bad thing because that's not what Star Wars should be about. That's not what any story should be about, if I'm being honest. I have this argument with people all the time. Not people, mainly my dad. But uh, uh, I don't think a story should go into the extra shit. It should, it should focus on a character and their journey, period. And you should tell contextual, contextual things within that character story. Um, <clears throat> for example... For example, uh, this is the example I use all the time to try to get my point across, is that when my dad and I read The Hunger Games, my dad was fixated on the past, how the world got to this point, how long it had been at this point, exactly where District 13 was, and how they got, like, it was all sorts of shit like that. 
Um, I, on the other hand, was like, this is a story about the main character, Katniss. That's it. That's it. That's all I need. That's all I cared about because uh, her, her journey is what the story was about, not the world that she lived in. See, um, I love more info. I love yeah. more info about the world. I don't. But, but just to clarify, the story does give you contextual information about the world as the story goes on. When she is in the, the, the capital and she's talking to people and getting ready for the Hunger Games at the moment, there's contextual conversations and, and information that she gives about how the world got to that point, exactly where District 13 is, which is in Appalachia. And um, uh, it's, it's given to you. There's, there's, there's information that's given to you as for like a whole side piece, a whole episode or a Michael Crichton style fucking 10 chapters that give you all of that information to me is not a fun way to tell a story. That's, that's how I'll always see it. Like if, if, if Mandalorian stopped right in the middle of the season and had a single episode that was about the past I'd hate it much like I disliked the episode in, um, Oh, uh, the, the ghost, uh, Bly Manor, that episode where like, instead, and like, it just stopped the plot entirely to tell the backstory. Like, I don't like that. I really, really dislike that. And I don't think that Mandalorian would benefit from having something like that is all the point I'm getting at. And that's a personal opinion, and yeah, we'll agree to disagree on that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, again, I I don't think that you can shove too much information into a show and expect it to be watchable. But I, if the Mandalorian continues, I do see uh, Midichlorian and how it affects the universe at large, and you know the individuals that it resides in. I, I do see that being a good story to tell, you know, and I think it, it is, it, it would fit into the lore and it, it has a point. I mean, it's like, you know, I, I'm a big fan of wheel of time and they have the source and it's been tainted on the male side. If you touch it on the male side, you go insane over time but everybody's ability to touch the source is completely different. Most people don't have any ability. Some people have a very small ability. Some people have an amazing, you know, make a town go boom ability. But that doesn't mean that the person who can make a town go boom is respected as much as the person who might be able to just heal a small wound. You know, so, I mean, and there's, there's a whole lore around the source in the Wheel of Time, I think that there's room for lore around midichlorians and what makes Jedi and Sith and, you know, all these things, what they are. What is its bigger role in the universe? Because it has to have one. Why not tell the story? I mean, you could tell it in a different situation. I'm saying that if if I'm watching The Mandalorian, I want to watch The Mandalorian, not but we've that. already brought this up. This has already been alluded to in several instances. So if it does continue on to have more seasons, I don't find it outlandish to expect that this might be explored further in The Mandalorian. Oh, it will be explored, but it needs to be contextual. I don't want... Here's what I don't want, is I don't want an episode to start off and, and, and 
Mando, like he goes to a planet and then he sits in a classroom and then we spend, you know, 45 minutes learning about the larger implications of, man of midichlorians on the universe. Like, I don't want that. I would, I would rather have a situation where a character can like gives Mando the. Yes, absolutely. Learn this within the storytelling. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're not looking for, you know, a lecture from Professor, you know, uh, Obi-Wan. We're just <laughs> we're looking for a story that also tells the story of the midichlorian, you know. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with the con like what you're saying with the like we, we should have more context as to the bigger implications of it in the universe. I just don't want it to be told in a way that's like it feels like a lesson. It feels like. um like yeah, I said, nobody like, likes that. Like, yeah, or or to the extent of what Bly Manor did. You know, like I I I don't like I didn't I, find it that bad, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't the worst fucking thing I ever experienced by any stretch of the imagination. I just I was so invested in what was going on with the main characters of that story, and then she gets grabbed by the ghost in the second like to the 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 third to last episode and then it's just like nope we're gonna spend this entire time talking about that ghost that grabbed her by the throat for an hour and i was like mother <clears throat> what the fuck you needed it to, to know though. it had to though you didn't get anything backstory wise before that point so you had to have the backstory at that point otherwise you would have been really and I've, at the end of the show going what the fuck was that I've, about i've expressed this that telling that story is not a bad thing stopping the main plot to tell it was a bad thing I no, mean, not at all. They could have interwound it into the other episodes piece by piece. They could have done that. What, personally, but, what I would have thought would have been cooler is if one of the characters knew the backstory and it was slowly told to the kids and the nanny and, and everybody else throughout the whole story. Like when I play a video game, I really hate it when there's just a mechanic that's just a video gaming mechanic. But if it can be weaved into the story, like I expressed to my dad about, about Assassin's Creed, it is a sci-fi story. It's Assassin's Creed, all of them are sci-fi because it is a machine that can read your DNA and have you basically play a video game of your ancestor. So if there's a glitch inside the game, you can chalk it up to it's a video. You're playing a game about a video game. To me, that's really clever. To me, that's, that's something that I think is better writing, arguably. And... Uh, again, I go back to Michael Crichton. Like, if you've ever read Jurassic Park, it's a rough read because the whole plot stops so Michael can explain science. <laughs> and I, I really, I just find that so boring. Well, again, trust me, like I've been saying, I've been reading Ready Player Two, and the first good one fourth of the book was I really felt like I was being flexed on by some smart ass little rich kid. I just wanted to punch Sam. I mean, oh, I slipped out of bed onto my heated marble floors. I'm like, oh, why? This is not furthering your fucking story, asshole. You know, <laughs> hey, we got to the middle of the book and finally it picks it up. And I'm like, yes. And it even throws in a twist that I didn't see. So good on them but i was like oh the first part of this book just made me want to punch a bitch i can deal with the 80s nostalgia now a little bit more because again it's it's in part to the story they're in a quest the first part was just him like there was this one part where he's just 
going on about his replica cars from all these 80s movies that he loves. And I'm like, oh, I hate you. I hate you. (laughs) Whatever's coming your way, you're about to deserve it, you little asshole. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, it's just, like I said, I just, I find it very boring and dull to kind of stop the plot to, to give more information that I feel like could have always just been told in the plot. And, um, yeah, he could have used his Batman car in the plot or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like, 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 I think that's my argument against people in the first book is that a lot of the stuff that's the nostalgia heavy shit is very much interwoven into the plot. It makes sense that, you know, that was the guy who started the, the Easter egg hunt. It was his, it was, you know, his nostalgia was so strong that that's what happened. Um, there are moments in the first book that I'm just like, eh, come on. <laughs> but it's not that much. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, well, again, we're we're in a world right now called um, Halcyon. It's made for kids. And it's all educational characters from kids' TV shows, educational shows. like you know. Barney. No, no, Barney's not mentioned. But he's, you know, they've all, every kid is allowed to go there for free and they've got their own tree house and they can play games like there are kids who are flying, but they have to spell while they're flying to continue flying. Um, And as they're going through this world and he's like, over there is the Oregon Trail Quest. And I was like, what? What? I'm like, I know Ernest Klein had to have played the Oregon Trail. He's at the age. He's played Oregon Trail. That sounds like a horrible quest. One that I would not want to go on because I have a feeling at the end of it, you're going to die from fucking dysentery. That's how it always ends. <laughs> yeah, I always, I always thought the idea of him writing a sequel to the book was really stupid because um, the first book was all about Ernest's, Ernest Klein's nostalgia, the shit that he remembered and loved and knew. And I'm just kind of like, if you make a sequel, are you just trying to shoehorn shit that you don't really know for the sake of like shoehorning it in? Again, I haven't read it, so I have no fucking clue. But that was my thought when I heard the book was being written. Um, honestly, this is this is such pop culture nostalgia that I mean, if you don't know it, you're not an '80s kid. That's just all there is to it. You're not an '80s kid. I'm sorry, I hate that for you. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I get all the references. I understand them. I know exactly <clears throat> where they're from, what he's saying, and when he references them. I mean that the directors, the actors, and how they intertwine into these different worlds in the Oasis. I'm like, yeah, this is my childhood. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I, I get yeah, the first part was him just flex, 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 but. Once we got to the story, the plot, it's been much better. I I can take it much better now. I mean, first I was getting a little angry, but now it's much better. (laughs) Yeah, again, I always always go back to Michael Crichton when it comes to, um, like, telling a plot and then stopping to tell, like, a science lesson. Um, And I kind of feel like that's basically the beginning of, uh, of this book is just, like, not a science lesson per se, but it's like, are we getting to something, Ernest? Are we just we're just talking about shit that you remember, huh? We're just mm-hmm. making we're making a, a fucking um, Artemis. Is it Artemis or is it uh, no Percival? Yeah, it, Percival um, and Artemis. We're just making Percival look like a fucking Elon Musk, huh? Is that what we're doing? Okay, cool. Yep. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, that's uh, like going back to Mandalorian. That's that's 
I want them to explore that more. I, I totally agree with everybody in that regard. I just don't want it in a way that completely fucking derails the plot. Like I what want if they brought in Neil deGrasse Tyson? That would be <laughs> terrible. <laughs> but he's, you could have some LeVar Burton up in there, some reading rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> if they if they came out, I'll be honest with you, if they came out with like a companion guide that was uh like a side like a side thing on Disney Plus or a uh, like a book or something that went into it more, that'd be great. But I, I just it, the story needs to be about Mando. It needs to be about the Mandalorian. It doesn't need to be about like the force stuff. Just kind of happens to happen around him, you know. Well, did you like this episode? I loved this episode. I again, and I, and I have to clarify for anyone listening to this: like, I didn't like Boba Fett, and I'm glad that Boba Fett is now lived up to the reputation that the fandom had given him. I'm very happy for that because again, I disliked him i did well and that's not fair to him i didn't dislike him i just liked the the everyone like boba fett's a badass and i'm like killed by a blind guy the fuck is what what is badass about him the suit and i'm like yeah the suit's badass but that's it so it was a whole thing but what about you maya did you like the episode <clears throat> oh yeah without a doubt thought it was a lot of fun um really enjoyed seeing boba fett in action, really enjoyed seeing Fennec Shand, you know, also doing what she does and, you know, going back to the first season, how uh, the Mandalorian said, you know, she was a feared sniper and why she was, you got to see why she was such a feared target because she was holding her own. I mean, <clears throat> pushing a boulder that had been dislodged down into an e uh, of a heavy repeating e-web blaster and just destroying it, you know, because those things are no joke. Uh, those cannons that the stormtroopers were using. I love that. Uh, diving backwards off of the hill and shooting three times just to get a guy and finally got him. Uh, That's a hard shot me, to pull off. You reminded me of something, Maya, during that scene where they're shooting at her and she pushes the boulder, or she like yeah, pushes the boulder down. Uh, my dad was watching that episode and my mom was in the kitchen and she doesn't really like star Wars. <laughs> she just goes, man, those stormtroopers are really bad shots. And my dad and I just kind of went, stormtroopers. <laughs> Sorry. You reminded me of that. Go ahead. No, you're fine. No, I loved it. I just, it was a really, really fun episode. I know Misty was like, when we saw the episode title at the begin, at the beginning, the tragedy, she's like, "Oh no!" Yeah. And I was like, "Don't read into it too much." And you know, she's like, every thirty seconds during that fight, she's like, "Oh God, they're going to get him! Oh God, they're going to get him!" You know, she's worried about little Grogu. And uh, then when the Razor Crest got destroyed, she's like, "Oh no!" <laughs> it was it was awesome. So yeah, yeah, she's invested. I'm invested. You know, it's just really, really, uh, really fun episode all around. Yeah, that was like me. I was just like, "What about the baby?" <laughs> all the time, I was like, "Now they have the baby." <laughs> but yeah, it was a good episode. I mean, you know, I don't know as much of the lore as y'all do to see Boba Fett. I was a bit shocked that. 
was not expecting that. I was like, well, holy shit. So that's what he looks like. Okay. You know, um, but I think overall, I'd, I'd give it an A plus for an episode. I'm, I'm very curious to see what they're going to do next week now. I mean, how are they going to round this out for the season overall? They're going to go team based John Wick on the Empire. I mean, right. Yeah, we got, we got two episodes left this season. So yeah. we'll find out. It, I, I'll give good. it an A plus. I give it an A plus as well. Didn't mention that. I'm sorry. This season has been knocking it out of the park. Like every every episode is good. Um, some episodes are better than others, but like nothing's been passed to an A for me. It's either like A minus A or A plus every single episode, which is I'm fucking so happy about that. Um, and that's another thing. I, I, as a longtime Star Wars fan, one of the things I hate most about the Star Wars fandom is the discourse, the constant arguing and bickering with one another. I don't see that here. I don't see that with Mandalorian. So I'm super fucking, everyone's just like, it's great. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. And then we go on with our lives. Yeah. Everyone knows how to uh, temper their anger, you know, <laughs> which we don't see a lot of that going on in star Wars. So I agree with you on that. Thank uh, God for that. People just argue way too much. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was a big, it's, I mean, it still is an argument when it comes to the movies, but this show has completely changed that. So I'm, I'm fucking stoked. Everybody's, you know, cool, calm headed, collected for the most part. You know, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> bravo. But we did see yeah. people like, like, like Maya said, try to return or, uh, um, like, uh, what was it called? Uh, refund, cancel their pre order for the, the yeah, trailer. that's so stupid. Yeah. And they got until tomorrow to do it, which, you know, as of recording, which is the 10th. Today's the night. This publishes on the 11th. So <clears throat> I don't know how many will do it. I know a few people have. I just think it's dumb, a dumb reason well, to do that. I mean, that. it really is. I mean, if you're truly that big of a fan, you would want the ship from the first two seasons. Why right. not? Yeah, I just I agree. doesn't make any sense to me at all. I just. I'm trying to understand the logic that might go behind this, and I can't find it. No, it's, it's just not there. <laughs> it's really not. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the uh, the holiday movies that made us because uh, I'm running out of time here. So, um, if uh, if you've been a long time listener of the, of the podcast, you guys know that uh, we love the uh, blanks that made us series. I really hope that they do a video games that made us series soon. Um, because these little short form documentaries are so much fun to watch. So much fun to watch. Um, this was a bit shorter of a one cause they, they did two holiday movies. They did uh, elf and, uh, um, nightmare for Christmas. Jesus. Why does my brain do that? Like I, I'm like, I, I envisioned Jack Skellington and then the, all the characters and I can't remember the name of the fucking movie. I'm stroking out. <sighs> I swear to God. This brain of mine sucks ass. Um, but uh, I know how Maya and I are going to feel about it because we love this series. But Betty, we haven't ever talked about this series for you. Well, I mean, I like it. I've you know, always found it very interesting when they, you know, go behind the scenes of a movie, whatever kind of movie. You know, it's like I'm, I'm, I live for the bloopers at the end of movies, the outtakes. 
You know, yeah. I'm the one sitting there at the end of the theater going, oh, wait for it. It's coming. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's your reward. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I love that kind of stuff, but I'm, I'm just one of those people. I'm always one of those people that I'm taking it apart. What's in this? What's behind this? What makes this tick? And um, I'd actually seen one on the Nightmare Before Christmas before. So that one, you know, was still interesting. I, I would recommend anybody watch it, whether they've seen the movies or not, because I would think after watching them, you would probably have an interest in seeing these movies. I don't know. We'd, we'd have to ask Maya about that. <laughs> and after seeing this, do you have any desire now to see either one of these movies? No. Oh my god. You're the worst. <laughs> she I really, really is. Am. She can't I really even pretend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, no, and, and I know this, that Elf helped springboard Favreau into you know, what he has become. I mean, he had only done one movie before this and this became such a big hit for him and got him a lot of work work that we've been, been enjoying for over a decade now. Um, and I enjoy Will Ferrell, but I still have no desire to see that movie. And I'm Why? not a big fan. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't, there's do no like appeal there. For, movies? Not really. Okay. Well, that says something right there. I don't, I don't, I, for the most part, I mean, yeah, I like Christmas Vacation. I like A Christmas Story. Uh, but beyond that, there's not many that I will watch or have watched and enjoyed. Um, but, yeah, Elf has just never had any appeal to me. And, you know, watching it and seeing that it's really patterned to look like the old Rankin and Bass Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in the North Pole parts, uh, that doesn't add anything for me either, even though, you know, I loved that as a kid and watched it as a kid. That just doesn't add anything to it for me. And then the whole, um, I don't know. Do you like Will Ferrell? I love Will Ferrell. Okay. Did you like the movie Big? It was okay. It was a good movie. Well, this is kind of like Big with Will Ferrell and Santa Claus. Yeah, it's got kind of the same mixtures going on. I mean, he's he's a grown man, but he acts like a child. Oh my God, that's my phone. Who you call? Uh, <laughs> and that is Heather. Heather, you know I'm in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Heather, you're in trouble. She is so in trouble. But um, I, I, I kind of, I, I, yeah. I kind of understand the whole like not. I'll put it this way: I didn't watch either Elf or Nightmare on Elm Street until years after they were already out. I um, mean, Nightmare Before Christmas. What did I say? Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. don't know why I did that. I don't well, know. Well, well. To be fair, it would be years after the original release of the Nightmare on Elm Street that you watched it anyway, because it came out when yeah. you were in diapers. Right, 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 right. Um, okay, <clears throat> let, me, let me try that again without sounding like a complete fucking moron. I didn't watch Nightmare Before Christmas or Elf until years after they had come out because they came out when I was like a teenager or around the right age where I just I didn't give a shit. 
Um, I say this all the time about a lot of stuff in the early nineties. Um, like I was starting to become like, it was like from 93 till about like 98. If it had a, um, a, a silly vibe to it or a cartoony vibe, I was like, I'm, I'm more of an adult. Man. Oh, and you I were one of those. Oh yeah. It was. And it didn't really end until like 2003, four, somewhere in there where I stopped doing that. But it was bad. Like, uh, there were a few things that I did watch regardless, like Powerpuff Girls, but, um, but you were an adult. <laughs> I, know, I know. Look, all, all kids are fucking stupid. And I was, one of them. <laughs> um, I mean, as a teenager, I got up at five 30 in the morning before school, just so I could see sailor moon come on at 6am. <laughs> I mean, I, I like, like I said, I, I, one of, one of my biggest ones that I always thought was really stupid was, uh, I didn't want to play Legend of Zelda Wind Waker because it had that cartoony vibe to it. I didn't at first either. Uh, but I went and actually played it and really enjoyed it, but I still, I still hate the animation style of it. Oh, I disagree. I think it's fucking, I mean, it's fantastic now at the time I was, it was, it was just too cartoony is why I, like, I literally said I didn't want to play it, but. Um, and that was honestly the same with Elf, and that was the same with Nightmare on Elm Street, and and, and they even said it in the documentary for Nightmare. Why do I keep doing that? The Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Greg, Get your head Just out of your head. in TBC. That's not helping. <laughs> they talked about that Nightmare Before Christmas did not do well in the box office. That it it was it was really well received in a, in a way like not really well, but really um. It wasn't well received by audiences. Like they just didn't go and see it. And uh, I don't remember who it was. It was Danny Elfman or the guy who actually directed it was like, I was in a, I was in a hot topic and there were a ton of Jack Skellington stuff everywhere and Sally stuff. And he was like, what happened? <laughs> but oh, uh, it's dark. I mean, for fuck's sake, you take Halloween, you mix it with Christmas. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, come on. Yeah, Especially I mean, if daylight savings times already fucking been you know pulled <laughs> rolled back. I mean, Jeff's big dream is to have like a nightmare before Christmas Halloween that can meld into December's Christmas. So yeah, you know, we could do it for Halloween and Christmas and just not have to take it down during that entire time. <laughs> <laughs> I it was it, what was funny to me was uh um I had completely forgot that that movie was not a Disney property in the beginning. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it was an independent and it was uh I I went to see it in theaters. I loved it. I was never one of those it's a cartoon. I am a total Disney cartoon fan. I'm all about that shit. Always have been, I mean, always will be. But I have to I have to I have to say that opinion was extremely stupid, not just because it was a stupid opinion, but because I watched cartoons at the time. Like <laughs> For me as a kid to sit there and say shit like that was really dumb. Yeah, but people weren't watching you watch cartoons, right? You know, nobody knew you weren't buying a ticket to the Powerpuff Girls every Wednesday night. So, I mean, it's probably safer for you that way. You just want to be an adult. You know, I more mean, or less, more or less. You I, wanted I would... other people to treat you as an adult. So you issued, uh, you know, kid like things in public. Yeah, that's, I mean that's, that's what psychiatrist Betty is telling you. <laughs> well, yeah, and 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 it's so funny because 
I don't remember when I watched Elf, but I fucking loved it. I was like, this is this is really good. Right. I would I would argue that now it's a little bit more cringy than it was then or when I was younger. Um, but I also think that that cringiness is part of its uh, appeal. It's part of its uh, charm. Yeah, I mean, and the act, the cast, the cast they got for it was just fabulous. You know, I mean, I'm just, it was so fun. And it, it, that's the whole thing. I mean, his character just does not, he makes you feel good simply by the fact that he feels good, you know? And it's the funny, the funny parts, like the spaghetti. Oh my God, the spaghetti. <laughs> I love that that film was also on like a shoestring budget in a, in a way. Yeah, well, you know, know that. It was the story that that you really didn't need special effects. It was it was a good story, you know. Yeah. Just needed an apartment store, a ritzy looking apartment, and a studio to put in a North Pole. You know, that's all you needed. Yeah, James Con. Uh, yeah, James Con. James Con. Yeah, Jesus. Um, him being told by Favreau, like whispering, like your. Uh, Sonny fucking Corleone. Sonny. Yeah, Sonny Corleone. I was like, that's hilarious. Well, you know, I mean, and I love him as an actor. I think he did a great job in this movie, too. I mean, he he really brings it to the table. Yeah. You know, and Will Ferrell was excellent at being him. You know, I don't know any other way to put that. He's just so, he whatever he does, he really just puts his whole heart into it. You know, he's all in there. And with Elf, you could definitely tell he was all in with this movie. Loved yeah. it. I would have loved I, I would love to see that B footage of him in uh, New York. Oh, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> that shit would be hilarious to watch as its own movie. Like, <laughs> I'd be fucking all about that. Well, it's like, um, do you like any um, stock motion, Maya? Yeah, I mean it's okay. I, I'm not against it. Um, Did you, you see? No, I don't. No. Anything made by that studio is fucking fantastic. I still haven't seen. Um, I still haven't seen the the two last, the two recent ones, and Box Trolls. Jesus Christ, I have like Box Trolls was so good. I know. I need. I really want to watch them. Latka is their studio name, I believe. I fucking love stop motion. I think. Yeah, well, you know, knowing how much work goes into it is it's fascinating to see behind the scenes. And I remember again watching a documentary about this maybe a year or two after it came out because again, I'm a nerd and I was just fascinated by it, you know, how much detail goes into every single second of that movie, you know, or any movie set up like that for that matter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a huge commitment and takes a lot of patience and skill to do. I mean, I have nothing but respect for people who do that type of animation, the stop motion animation. And, but I mean, I don't have the patience to try that. Oh gosh. No. When I was, uh, when I was much younger, um, my parents bought a camcorder and it had a little um, remote control thing to it. And I had learned that if I hit, uh, if I hit record and then I hit pause twice, it would just take a screenshot. 
So I like I would make my own little uh, stop motion animations. Oh, <laughs> uh, see, yeah, I mean, I've known lots of boys who do that, and I do think that is part of a male mind in a sense. You know, it's it's very curious. What can I do with this? Yeah. You know? <laughs> my nephew cracked me up one year because uh, um, he was trying to use his iPhone to do that, and I said, "Why don't we do this? Why don't you just take like let's set your phone up." Let's have it in one spot because he was trying to hold it and it was looking really bad. And I said, let's, so I like sat down with him and we figured it out and we made like a stop motion thing with his Legos. And he was like, that was so much fun. And I'm like, yeah, I've been into that for years, bud. Why didn't you just ask me? And he goes, I didn't know. I'm sorry. I was like, I'm just fucking with you. But, well, uh, what did you think of the music from Nightmare Before Christmas, Maya? I mean, it's Danny Elfman. I mean, he, you know, he's the thing I knew him for mainly was, you know, Beetlejuice and Batman and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it was fine, but I don't know. It's just, there's, I'm not a big fan of things from Tim Burton's mind. That's, again, I find that very interesting because I absolutely love Tim Burton's mind. It's just as weird and creepy as my own. So, yeah. <laughs> I like weird and creepy. I don't like Tim Burton. His weird and creepy. I just like well, there, there are some movies. Man. Yeah, there are some of his movies that I enjoy, but for the most part, I don't enjoy his stuff. What What's a Tim Burton movie you've enjoyed? Uh, the last one was Sweeney Todd. That's a good one. Yeah, but it's not his creation. It's his take on it. Oh, yeah, it's his take on it. It's definitely not his creation. I showed that one to Lydia last year. She liked it. Um, like a lot of people love the Tim Burton Batman films. I, I can do without them. What about uh, um, Edward Scissorhands? Never seen it. Oh, my God. This conversation is fascinating to me because I've seen every, no, that's not true. I haven't seen every single one of his movies. I think the last one I saw, I'm looking at his IMDb because I need to figure this out. But I think the last one I saw was his, um, his version of uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or I've never seen it either. Yes, that was awesome. Okay. Willy Wonka is a fucked up little piece of shit. Okay. I mean that it was creepy as a kid. It's still creepy as an adult. What's his version of it. And with Johnny Depp as Wonka, oh my god, it was just, I mean, I was laughing so hard throughout this entire movie. They they did a great job, in my opinion. <laughs> no, I did see Frank and Weenie. I did see Frank and Weenie. I've seen I've, that. I've seen every Tim Burton there is, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I, his last one was Dumbo. He directed that one. The live-action Dumbo. Yeah, I no, I, okay, I take that back. I haven't seen that one because Dumbo makes me cry. Miss Peregrine's Home for the for Particular Children. Yes, and the books are great too. I have not seen that one, I have to admit. Um, uh, that one is good. It's got Samuel L. Jackson in it as the bad guy, and he is great. A movie called Big Eyes starring. Yes. Yes. That. that one didn't do very well in theaters, but actually, it was a very good movie about a real story. Wow, he's like really spastic about when he does a movie. Like he did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Corpse Bride in the same year. Another great movie. Um, and then he didn't do anything substantial until 2007 with Sweeney Todd. 
So it was two years. And then it was three years before Alice in Wonderland. And then two years before Dark Shadows. But then Frank and Weenie came at the same year as Dark Shadows. Jesus. I love Dark Shadows. Oh, you got to think, too, if he's been working on these stop-motion animation-style movies, they take about two years to make. They do time, take time. I'm the fuck out. He directed Mars Attacks? I didn't know this. Yeah. Now, Mars Attacks is one that I do enjoy. That movie's fabulous. I fucking I, I, no I, idea. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's one of, I thought, yeah, that's one of his classics. I mean, with I think too one of the things with Tim Burton, he is actually a, a true, true artist. And while yeah, the claymations do take time, a lot of it they do work out in CGI now. Um, I will admit to that. I know that for a fact. But artists are also very, you know, we're not we can't always put great things out and we know that. And sometimes we take hiatuses, you know, mm-hmm. and and just focus on other things and and get experiences so we can go on and create the next yeah. thing that we create. You know, so yeah. that, I think that's that's how he works very much. I think. Sure. You I, know? Totally get, I totally get that. I just thought I thought it was really funny. Like you look at other directors and they're like, what, like one movie every two years or one movie every three years. He's like two in one year. Then I'm not around for four years. And then I have another one. And then I'm not around for two years. It's like when his mute hits him, <laughs> she hits him like a fucking yeah, yeah, exactly. pile, man. I mean, and he puts it out and he, I think when he puts out, he's one of those people, he would rather take his time and wait for a good thing to come along and do it. And instead of putting out and mediocre, this and that every couple years, you know, it's, it's- you know what's really funny to me is, and I've talked about this with other people, but like his adaptations are always interesting to me because let's take Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, for example. I read the book right before that came out because I wanted to make sure I had that context, right? Mm-hmm. That movie is almost like scene for scene the book. Mm-hmm. No joke. It really is. The only, th- the only thing that's different, which he technically added, was all the stuff with... Uh, um, what's his name? Uh, oh my god, his dad, the, the fucking Charlie's dad, being the dentist. Like that's not in the book at all. That doesn't exist in the book, or in the sequel for that. The, the sequel book, I should say. Oh yeah, well you know it, it was a nice little addition to the um, candy, you know, factory thing, and him having yeah. those big giant white teeth. Yeah. Um, um, well, the thing and- I was gonna say about the, about about. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was that was very ill received. It was. I think people, you know, you know how it is. They don't like their um, their nostalgia being fucked with. Right. You know, they really don't. And I think that that when he redid, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, he stepped on some people's toes when it came to their nostalgia. And I'm like, dude, you can love both. I'm double rainbows all the way over here. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind when somebody remakes something or does a new iteration of something that I'm a fan of because I'll check it out and I either like it or I don't, but I don't let it ruin what I already love. And, yeah. You know, it's possible to enjoy both. But in some things, you know, could use a remake. You know, some really old classic stuff could use a modern day up. 
They hired me a modern day update. I do hope that you might change your mind in time and maybe get bored enough. If we're in this pandemic long enough, you might <laughs> run out of things to watch on the internet and fall back on one of these two movies or one of the other multiple movies that we've suggested your way. Um, Cause they are good movies in their own right, you know, and uh, nightmare before Christmas. It, it, I love that movie. It's fun. It's fun. I, I, I have heard a lot of critiques, by the way, um, about the music in that movie. Um, that it's not really well done. Bullshit. Uh, but I argue because <laughs> a, lo- a lot of people have, have, have critiqued its rhyming scheme. And I'm like, it's not a rhyming scheme as much as it is a, um, like a method scheme, if you will. Uh, there's a lot of lyrics that don't rhyme. They just don't. Uh, but they flow. Which yes. is, what is more important, well, not more important, but which is important for the music in this in this entire musical. It, it flows very, very well. What people, what I don't think people really get that Danny Elfman did, and then this documentary certainly didn't fucking talk about it, is that the music that's done in Halloween Town does not have a have a very strong rhyming scheme, but like, what's this? Totally does. Um. And most people sit there and say, what's this is the best song in that movie. And I'm like, I get that because it has a typical rhyming scheme. It really does. But welcome, to, welcome, uh, not welcome to Halloween Town. It's, what's it called? This is Halloween Town. It's Halloween, thank you. Um, that doesn't, that does not have a typical rhyming scheme. And I, I always find it amusing when people critique the movie for that. And I'm like, that's the point. I believe that was the point. I love the music. Uh, when I found out that Marilyn Manson had done his own version of several of the songs, I just lost it. I was so giddy and happy because I am a Marilyn Manson fan. I know it's a little weird, but I am a Marilyn Manson fan. <laughs> uh, and he did a good job. I mean, you know, I mean, th- I, it's good music. I, I think the whole story was great. I think, you know, the creepy look on innocence, you know, poor Jack, he was so innocent about all this. He really did not know how bad he was fucking things up. Yeah. I'm also really happy that, uh, uh, this documentary gave, um, credit to the director of it where like, yeah, because people mess that up all the time because it's based on Tim Burton's story, which I also own that book. But it's not his directing. And they did that because they wanted his name in there. You know, that that right. it was very important that his name be on there. But no, he did not direct it. He was not involved. He wrote the story. That's it. Right. I was going to say, one of the things they mentioned in this was that it didn't succeed because it came out around the same time as Aladdin. And um, there's... Aladdin actually, sucks compared to Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but Jesus. I, uh, <laughs> um, I was going to say that the uh, the thing about... Um, the thing about Aladdin that I always find fascinating, and it kind of clearly had an effect on Nightmare Before Christmas. I almost said Elm Street. Um, <laughs> uh, in... Sorry, there's there's a there's a woman on Netflix or Netflix on on uh, YouTube named Lindsay Ellis, and she does like video essays essentially. They're fucking fascinating, but she has one about Robin Williams and Aladdin. And um, when that movie was being made, uh, Robin Williams was very adamant about not having his name on the marquee, not having his name on the posters, that it be more about the the animation and the and the and the story itself than him being the genie. 
that was that was the one caveat that he made, and they agreed to it. Um, apparently, there was a part of the contract or some shit that that he didn't know about, that his agent didn't know about, that said like if they want to change that they can, because oh right my God. right before the movie came out, his name was all, was plastered all over it. That's yeah. About and because of Aladdin, in in a weird sense, that's why we have all these like animated movies come out that are like starring all of these big names that you've definitely heard of instead of it being about the animation, instead of it being about the story and, and maybe some like, you know, not super fucking famous voices. Um, it like literally all started with Aladdin. Uh, and I feel like that is exactly why Paramount titled it Tim Burton's nightmare for Christmas. Yeah. You know, again, they were, they were trying to get hit, hit that market of people who would watch it because of that. And, you know, again, you've, it, it's something different. It's something that was totally new at that point in time. So it wasn't received well. I know it wasn't received well here in Appalachia. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, anytime you talk about the Satan's birthday, you got problems, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, it, it really is. I consider it a classic at this point. I mean, you know, that's something that our kids have grown up with, you know, and it's because I grew up with it and Jeff was already an adult, but he liked it, you know? So I, I'll put it this way. I would fucking much rather watch nightmare for Christmas um, every fucking day that like, cause you know how during the Christmas season, uh, all they fucking play on TV is It's a Wonderful Life and uh, Miracle on 34th Street. Like, or, yeah. or a Christmas story, a Christmas story as well. Like, why don't we see Elf in that regard? Why don't we see Nightmare for Christmas in that regard? Because Disney owns it. I mean, sure. I guess let me put it that way. It's probably going to be on Disney Plus. Oh, yeah, I, I think if they don't put it on Disney Plus before Christmas, I'll be surprised. I think it already is on Dis on Disney Plus. Yeah, well, there we go. So I mean, I have I own this movie. So I just I personally think that when you know talking about Christmas movies as a whole, I I really enjoy the offbeat ones like Elf and Nightmare for Christmas. They're not yeah. Christmas movies. They're not like I. It's just they're different, and I like that. Different. Yeah. Well, but, let's go ahead. And, yeah, go ahead. telling the story and everything. How how would we rate this? I mean, it, it is documentaries. It is absolutely on Disney Plus, by the way. Oh, cool. Uh, here, I'm going to type in Watch Elf, because I don't know what uh, streaming... Okay, so you can watch Elf on Hulu. Okay, cool. Yeah. There you go. All right. Um, yeah, so... Uh, uh, I, I'm going to give it to Maya first off, because she hasn't watched the movies, so... Let's see what Maya has to say on the grade, and then yeah. Well, I mean, as f just strictly speaking, in a presentation standpoint, you know, uh, I've always enjoyed these, uh, regardless of whatever the content was about. And generally, like with the toys that made us, the things that I knew about the least were the episodes that were my favorites. Um. Now the movies that made us. I couldn't watch the Dirty Dancing when I couldn't make it all the way through it. I, I got about three-fourths of the way through it and had to stop just because I couldn't stand that movie. Really? Uh, yeah, I've never liked that movie at all. 
Wow, I learn so much about you every week. <laughs> uh, to, to be fair, I'm not a fan of that movie either, but I like that movie. I, I was actually thinking about, about that movie today when I did my hair. I was like, oh, I look like I'm about to go dirty dancing. <laughs> um this, I mean, from a production standpoint, technical standpoint, informational standpoint, it, it serves its purpose. It doesn't make me want to go out and watch either movie. Um, so, therefore, I can only give it, you know, an A minus because it's solid. It's very good. But it doesn't make me want to go out and watch what it's based on uh, or what it's covering, which would have given it a higher grade to me. But just based on that, I give it an A minus. Yeah, you're very generous in my opinion, so don't be apologetic. <laughs> I mean, that's that's if that were me, if it was like, no, I have no interest in watching this, even though I just sat here and watched yeah. this little documentary about it, I'd be like, yeah, C plus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the the show itself, I don't think is there to want you to go and watch these if you haven't before. I think it's primarily made for fans of these things or people who just like knowledge about how these things are done or the literary history of, or both. And from that perspective, I think the show does exactly what it set out to do. I mean, I I have to say for me, it did make me want to go back and watch them again. And we will be this weekend. So, you know, that's on my list for the weekend is nightmare before Christmas and elf because I'm like, yeah, family time, popcorn, yeah, and that's that's about all I can stomach for Christmas mu- movies. I'm I'm not a big Christmas movie fan. They they're a little you know tropey, and it just gets boring. But Elf yeah, like, and Nightmare Before Christmas definitely mix it up. Yeah, as I say, for me, like it's it, whenever I watch a Christmas movie, it's like Die Hard, maybe one of the Home Alone movies, and then the off-brand ones that are just like, oh yeah. Well, you know, if you throw Die Hard in there, I've got to throw Lethal Weapon 1 in there because it's absolutely a Christmas movie as well. Does that take place during Christmas? I didn't. Yes. That. The opening the opening scene with the girl falling off of the balcony is set to Jingle Bell Rock. And, you know, Mel Gibson, he's making his bust in a Christmas tree lot because it is like the week before Christmas. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um but yeah, I like Home Alone, the first one. The second one. Um, eh. Okay, well, overall, I think I would give it an A plus simply because you know I think it did a good job at um, covering, you know, what these movies are, what went into them, and again, it did make me want to watch them. So I definitely give it an A plus. I hate that Maya didn't get the I want to watch these now feeling. Um, <laughs> if anybody else out there has watched it and not seen them before chime in we want to know what you think you know uh, what did you think greg uh just a, a solid a i would say the reason i'm not giving it a plus is just because there are a few moments that i found to be a bit dull um but uh, it's not super like often or common enough for it to be a problem in any way shape or form um thoroughly entertained and there was a few things i did learn like i i i I didn't know about uh, most of the film being like basically produced out of uh, Danny Elfman's girlfriend's house. <laughs> I didn't know that shit. So there's, there's a lot of fun, fun tidbits in there that I think are great. I, I, I will say this 
I, I don't mind them having done just two episodes, but I, I, I love the show enough to where I want them to make more, but I know it takes time and, and effort to, you know, make a documentary. Um, and we in the COVIDs. Yes, that too. I, I really hope again, I really, really hope that down the line they do a video games that made us. Um, I think that would be really fun, but like better than the other documentary we watched recently. Like in this same style, Betty, would you do you think you'd be more entertained by a video games that made us versus the other? I do. I mean, you know, again, if if it's something that you know relates to something I've gone through or something that you know I'm interested in, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like you know, uh, anytime you're discussing things that I can relate to, of course, I'm going to be more interested in it. Right. So you know. Like I'd love to see a uh, video games that made us on stuff that people don't really do in documentary form, like like uh, like one of the uh, like the Elder Scrolls franchise as a whole. But uh, yeah, that'd yeah. Be really fun to do. But uh, like I I know everything about fucking early Nintendo because there's like 18 different documentaries and a bunch of fucking articles about it. So I'm like I'm well knowledge on that. But um. Like I fucking love the way that they make this show. Like the toys that made us is fucking fantastic. The the uh, movies that made us is fantastic. I I really hope they do again. Like I said, video games, maybe a cartoons that made us. Um, if okay, if since you do like things like this, like I do, um, let me recommend to you on audiobook, um, Guns, Germs, and Steel. It's all about how these different things came to be and how they play a role in where we are now and a bunch of other things too. It's very interesting. And he does a second book follow up to it. So I'll, I'll check it out. But um, if you get a free credit, it's definitely worth the free credit. (laughs) I, we had to cancel the subscription because it's expensive and. Oh man. Yeah. But, I hate that for you. Yeah, it did. Uh, the, the money situation in our house is really bad right now. So uh, yeah, I get it, man. We're uh, all suffering. <laughs> uh, but yeah, guys. Um, yeah, go ahead and enjoy those. And like and like Betty said, if if you if you're like Maya and hadn't watched either movie and you watched this show, like let us know what you thought of it. Uh, we'd love to hear that. Um, and hell, if you did, if you love those movies and you watched this, let us know too. Fucking oh, stop licking the box. I will stop. not. Um, yeah (laughs) all right but we got to wrap this up because i gotta get i gotta get to making some cash um i don't think we have anything going on for next week except for mandalorian uh but i what i would like to try to do maybe if you two are up to it is the trivia thing again um i'll write some uh a few fake ones for the uh asylum movies if you guys are down to do that yes or no uh sure. <laughs> I'm not up for you know going above and beyond next week. So because I do have the family thing that I have to deal with this month, you know. And hey, if not, we'll just we'll just we'll like figure out. I'm trying to be super mom. Okay. You're all right. No, no, no. It's 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 that time of the year that it's that it's the there's a lot going on for all of us. So. um yeah, we'll uh, we'll figure out what next week. We're definitely going to talk about Mandalorian, like I said, but we might just have a topic. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But uh, we don't have anything scheduled is the point I was getting at. Um, uh, follow the Twitch channel uh, because 
when we go live on Saturday, if we go live on Saturday, a big if, I don't know if we're going to do it right now. Um, you'll be able to, to hang out with us and play the game along with just your phone. You don't have to spend any money, just kind of watch it and play along. Uh, it's a good time, uh, but that's uh, twitch.tv slash all underscore queued underscore up. Um, but yeah, that's um, other than that, all the socials are below in the, the description of any of the places that you're listening to this. Um, and you can uh, communicate to us there, maybe give some recommendations if that's something you want to do. Let us know what you thought about the same things we watched. We definitely love hearing from you. If uh, uh, if you have anything that you want to say to us, hell, if you just want to talk to us, like just communicate, I would argue that the best place to do that is uh, Discord. I know that Maya and I are in Discord pretty frequently, but also the Facebook dis- uh, discussion group. Uh, yeah, because I'm on Facebook a lot. That's where my family is. That's how I keep in touch. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that. that's honestly like, yeah, I'm on Twitter a lot, but Facebook and Discord are definitely how you can get a hold of the three of us very easily. Um, yeah. I'm on Twitter maybe a total of five minutes a day as I check in, check out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I have certain words muted. So like I get a lot of like funny stuff from there, but also follow a lot of um, independent news groups that just give information. I follow oh. a lot of authors. There you go. Yeah. I do follow a lot of authors too. Not a, not clearly enough, but um, other than that, uh, Maya, where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook under my name. It's a public profile, so if you wish to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, they are linked there, and you can do so. Uh, as for other shows, you can catch me on the Realm of Collectors YouTube channel. Every other Wednesday at 9.30 Eastern on Figabangin'. And tonight, Friday, 9 p.m. And every other Friday on another show. And uh, you have to tune in tonight and see what we've got in store for you. Can't say what it is, but be there at 9 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be awesome. And that's me. What about you, Betty? Um... Well, I'm a Pokemon. You can't catch me. So, so <laughs> you can find me uh, on Facebook at Betty Badger Ogletree. You can find me on Twitter, uh, Bright Betty. Uh, that's usually where I am to be located. Um, you don't need to know anything else. <laughs> what about yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> um, Chubb Rook Geek on all socials. That's uh, that's 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 me. That's just any 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 literally anywhere. I'm Chubb Rock Geek. I even made a parlor, but I deleted the app, so I don't know. Um, don't I did just like that. It's so wrong. I did just for the just to try to see what it was like on there, and I was like, "This is a hellscape." Fuck this. Um, <laughs> fucking terrible. Uh, but yeah, other than that. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't really want to stream, but I was going to say, like, you could check me out on my Twitch channel, but fuck it, I don't really want to stream right now. Uh, okay. Yeah, fuck it. Fuck it. Let's get okay. some shows. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening so much. Again, check out the new, the episode 7 of Mandalorian Season 2. We're going to be talking about it the next week. And then join us for some discussions. If you have any topic ideas, let us know. Seriously, we'll, we'll you know, bring them up, have a discussion. It'll be fun. Uh, but yeah, that's um, that's it for us. We'll see you then.
Peace, love, and polypops. <laughs> Take care, everybody. <laughs>